My name is Michael Scott. Welcome to my world and prepare to be awakened. Of Awakenings. Hi, I'm Jamie. Jeff. And Sean. And welcome to episode 48. Today we have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> Four years old. Oh we're, my gosh. We're a toddler. We're not, we're older than a toddler. I mean, we're, we're like a kid now. Yeah. We're almost in kindergarten. We're, we're having midlife crises over here. <laughs> wow. 48. That is nuts. It is nuts. Crazy. Does that mean it's our anniversary episode because it's divisible by 12? It is our anniversary episode, absolutely. <laughs> November is our anniversary episode. Actually, it was December was our first episode. But still, if we're going in years, then yes, this is our anniversary episode. Four years today. <laughs> or whenever you're listening to this. <laughs> whenever, yeah. I'm saying right now the date is... February 5th, 2016. <laughs> For and what? A new listener is listening right now. So I'm I'm saying that I'm I'm giving a shout out to you. So if today is that date, send us an email. Absolutely. <laughs> and we're totally going to forget about it by then. But <laughs> Yep. What the hell? <laughs> Look that? at this email we just got. <laughs> Wait, do you remember that? <laughs> we're still going to be, be doing we'll podcasts be like, for you. I'll be like now. Who's Sean? <laughs> We're gonna be doing, remember that guy I used to talk to every day? Jamie? What? What was that? Do I know people named that? I don't know what you're what? talking about. What? <laughs> Speaking of news. We were talking about news? <laughs> no, we are now, though. Oh. We have news? I gotta scroll up. Hang on. <laughs> Podcast Awards voting has ended. Thanks for your support. We will find out in January if we won. Okay, now are you doing an impersonation of Jamie from our first podcast episode? <laughs> in memory of, because it's so true. I'm not yeah. even going to deny it. Go back I'm and so wooden. Uh, I was so wooden. I'm sorry, guys. Welcome to episode 48. <laughs> Today we have a very special <laughs> episode one: the Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. <laughs> The Phantom uh, Jamie. Phantom Jamie. The Phantom Mickey. No. I apologize, guys, because that was that was pretty rough. Not gonna lie. Phantom Mickey Mouse. <laughs> you know, it, but you know, it was just everything was so overshadowed by how awesome that French guy was. <laughs> I yeah. forgot about the French guy. <laughs> the French guy was pretty cool. Not gonna lie. I'm down the. At least I think he was French. Missing road here. No one could really be sure if he was French or not. No, he was not French. <laughs> I can do a better French guy than that. (laughs) And that's saying something. Uh, And unlike most things that have been on the air for four years, we have not changed our theme song. No, absolutely. We've stuck with it and it's, it's very fitting. There's no, there's not a theme song out there that's better. Now, if we have a movie one day, maybe. Yeah. A movie about us. Awakenings, the movie. 
Awakenings. <laughs> and I'll be the only one not in it. There's a scary thought. <laughs> They'll write me out. They'll write you out. You're voting the island. You won't go see it either. <laughs> no, I won't go see it. <laughs> Who would play Sean? Oh, me. Yeah, I would. They wrote Jeff out. Jeff plays Sean. (laughs) That's all kinds of messed up. Not gonna. I'll play Sean. I'll play Sean, and Sean will play me, and you. No one will ever know. (laughs) Nobody will know. I'll just do an awesome accent. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of awesome accents, so really, podcast awards. Thank you for voting. If you didn't vote for us, stop listening now because you're not our friend. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with you? We we asked, we Please begged. don't stop listening. We only have like two of you. Yeah. We can't we can't afford to lose anymore. <laughs> Somehow we got nominated. We slipped through the cracks. I don't know what happened. <laughs> you don't want to know what I had to do. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, we have to, I mean... Anyways, moving on. <laughs> Do you have any emails? All right. Well, you know, we like we said, we're down to two listeners, all two of you that are listening right now. Send us Somebody. An email. Send an email. I mean, I know it's slow, but come on. Give us something. You're, come on, you're not going to think, you? you're not you, gonna think it's slow after this episode. I guarantee it. But you don't know what we're doing yet, so. You don't know what I got up my sleeve. <laughs> so, <you're> <laughs> so we know it's a sleeve. We're getting clues, people. Yep, yep. <laughs> Do we have any well, voicemails? So no, no emails? Do we got voicemails? Do you have a voicemail? Yeah. Whoa. 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 I know. Hold the presses. Hello, this is Silento8 from Italy. Again. Um, I've really enjoyed your last podcast episode. And I wanted to add something. I've recently found an interview with Michael Scott uh, from the Irish Times. Dated uh, the 4th of September 2010. And there he was asked, um, if you could have any actor you wanted in one of the roles, who would it be? And here he answered, um, Michael answered, well, I'd love to see Helen Mirren playing Paranel. And as the villain, Dr. D would have to be played by an English man. Ellen Rickman is one name I've heard mentioned. So this was two years ago, but I think this is just for an idea. Anyway, but um, Helen Mirren, I think uh, she's too old now. (laughs) But yeah, just as a comment. Regards from Italy. Helen, Miriam, uh, I'm I'm with him. I, I think she's she's a little up there. Yeah, she's up there, but she looked about the same two years ago. So. Yeah, but she's still a little up there. Yeah, she's probably a little too old for Paranel. He made a picture when he started uh, plotting a decade yeah. ago. <laughs> that makes more sense. So, thanks for the voicemail, Silencia08. From calls Italy. back. Every month for the rest of your life. Yes. <laughs> Polls. So uh, our poll for the last month was we wanted you to tell us what kind of stuff you might want to see on future podcasts. And so we said, what segment would you like to see? Chapter by chapter analysis, scene reenactments, Flamel Jeopardy or AK8 News. And the vast winner was Flamel Jeopardy with 54%. Ah. 54% of the three people that voted. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we, got, we got our usual we got our usual amount of votes. Well, yeah, but that wasn't that one also our uh, – we also slid that over to the main page as well. 
Oh, yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah. We slided over, accidentally posted it there, and left it. Yeah, but we didn't want to act like we did it on accident. <laughs> that also got Lamel <laughs> Jeopardy with a huge, much more, a lot more votes. Lamel Jeopardy still won there with 42%. All right, well, there, that's pretty much uh, set in stone. We're going to have to do... interesting because scene reenactments was about the same for both. Yeah. It's because they know I can't act. Well, scene, I should say scene reenactments came in second place for both. Like 28% on the main poll, 21% on the podcast poll. Mm-hmm. The chapter-by-chapter analysis got 11% and 21%. And AKA News got 9% and 14%. So no wow. one really wants to hear from Guy Friday and doesn't want to hear us talk about the chapters. Interesting. But Flamel Jeopardy. And I think we can we should try to do it so it's more like a quiz game. I think we should we should actually do it. Like literally, like actually have, play. yeah, like actually play, like have uh, have people from the How staff are we gonna on. Buzz in. I guess we'll have to sing um, our game. We'll just have to have like one person has to be the host. Like I'll be the host, for example, and then like I ask a question. Now both of you, both of you don't send it yet, but put put a star in your chat. All right. Oh, I'm gonna lose horribly. But that's <laughs> Easiest way. Do we have the answer in the form of a question? I don't know yet. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Yes, then. What is yes? But it'll be mostly. It'll be more like. (laughs) So maybe we'll do. Maybe for like our. I I like how Sean is getting out of the answering of questions. (laughs) I just said as an example, I could be the host, but Guy Friday could be the host, or you could be the host, Jamie. It doesn't really make a difference. I think it's got to be Friday. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll we will be doing a Flamel Jeopardy soon. At some point, yes. Yep. Soonish. Stay, stay soon. S- soonish. So around. get your questions ready. And and watch for uh, us to request them because uh, we want some good ones. We want some some uh, some show stop us. Now we we we'll take some easy ones, you know, because we have to have the one hundred dollar questions. Yeah. We don't well, need all two thousand dollar questions. And then maybe between rounds, we can do a scene reenactment. Quam. <laughs> Quam. Would you like us? See, this is all. We, we left the future of the show in your hands. That's scary. I really hope you didn't <laughs> let us down. Yep. What would you like us to talk about on upcoming shows? What Jeff's got is the answer to 97% of the <laughs> You talk it's about it actually find out. So our first response is from Jade Dare. Nice last name. Location, Germany. And her response is, what about pairings of the secrets of the immortal Nicholas Flamel, like Yitin, Aoife, uh, Nicholas and Peronel, or Dean Dare? My favorite three. Um, as a man, I refuse to do a shipping episode. We kind of yeah. know. For, for, um, <laughs> we did a Valentine's, Valentine's Day. So. Yeah, we did do that already, didn't we? Yeah, we kind of did a little bit, so... Yeah. So, Jay Dare, go back and listen to I the February episode. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be talking about... Hey, didn't we, do, didn't we do a Love Connection show? <clears throat> we did show? the newlywed game. The newlywed game, that's right, that's right. The newlywed <clears throat> game, that was awesome. We heard all about the games. Yeah, I know. Our next response is from Lily, and the location is on Alcatraz fighting monsters. Uh, her response is... Everything on the podcast is amazing. <laughs> I really like the character analysis and guy pretty. If you get the chance, Jeff should say a quote, maybe a Billy quote. 
thanks for making the best podcast ever. Yeah, I can, I can, I can do that. I guess at some I point. I guess we'll have to do a scene reenactment where Jeff plays some, Billy. Yeah, absolutely. I could do that. I could do that. I could talk like Billy the Kid. It's not so much of a stretch, is it? Not I'll really. play all the Irish characters. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play all the Irish characters. Yeah, and and, and the and through the, through all the through all the treads of time. <laughs> that a reference isn't making any uh, sense uh. yet. <laughs> you get it. You get it soon. <laughs> All right, he's definitely talking about your accent. <laughs> hey, I just jumped into a cold turkey. Come on now. <laughs> he's not talking about my accent. It's cold turkey. I don't do Irish. <laughs> turkey feeding the turkey. trees in the garden. We'll all be in warm turkey next week. <laughs> in this country. Why don't you just read the next qualm from Virginia? Her location is a rather disturbing chateau realm. I don't know why I'm doing it with an Irish accent still. I don't know. Our next, <laughs> our next QOM is uh, from Virginia, and her location is interestingly not Virginia, but a rather disturbing shadow realm, which could be in West Virginia. <laughs> her response is, I enjoy listening to the podcast, and so does my friend. I hope to see more of the AKA News team, but I think scene reenactment is a good idea too. If you get a chance... Make Jeff say a Billy quote. That'd be really nice. nice. Hey, Virginia, is your friend named Lily? <laughs> I'm wondering. <laughs> uh, the, the, her and her friend are our only listeners. <laughs> that's right. Those are our two that I talked about earlier. <laughs> yeah, that, that's awesome. Two people requesting me to do a Billy quote. That's cool. Yeah, we can, we can definitely do that. Matter of fact, we'll probably just toss it in there and do it next month. Well, so uh, we come to our part of the show where we normally cover our uh, topic of discussion, and uh, obviously no one knows what uh, the topic of discussion is today. Dun, dun, dun. So as a, as a special treat for you guys, uh, our, all our loyal listeners and, uh, and, and voters, hopefully, if we, if we win a podcast award, um, <laughs> uh, we actually have on the show today to answer uh, a lot of our questions and uh, and 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 talk about some uh, some movie related news and things like that is actually Mr. Michael Scott himself, and uh, he'll be he'll be coming on shortly, and we'll uh, we'll get we'll get to spend some time with him. Of course, we haven't had him on for a while, so this is very special, and uh, can't wait to uh, to get right into it. I thought you'd forgotten all about me. I've been sitting here for an hour listening to you guys. Oh, one. <laughs> Who called him in? It wasn't me. Oh, Sneaky. I've written a novel, you know, a couple of plays while just listening to you guys rabbiting on, you know. That... <laughs> He's figured out how to weave his way into Skype calls. You better watch out. He stayed awake the whole he time. He wrote, wrote a whole short story while we were sitting here. <laughs> went away, had a meal, you know, went for a walk, had a coffee, came back. Well, then I, I apologize for that thing I said before, you know. That, that's that, okay. I'll get my revenge. Never. <laughs> it's really a mistake to upset a writer because I'll write you into my next and kill you horribly. Oh, oh. <laughs> that would be an honor. I was going to say, yeah, that would be an absolute honor we talk about. <laughs> no, you, have, you guys haven't had me on for a while. I thought you had forgotten all about me. No, it's been a while. Um, oh. You've been extremely busy. We don't want to bother you with, with our tiny little show, you know. So, uh, it's not a tiny show. I listen to it every month. A lot of great things have been happening. That's two listeners, guys, too. We got two That's now. That's two. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't listen to all of it. You know, I just fast forward through most of it. I set set you on at double speed, so you all have Mickey Mouse voices. 
improve or deprove? Deprove? That's not a deprove. My accent. <laughs> deprove. What did I? I posted something today which said there's a brand new word in um, a brand new word. Yeah, um, omni shambles has just been named the word of the year by the Oxford English Dictionary. That's a fabulous omni- word. What does it mean? Omni shambles. I have no yeah. idea. Isn't that a great? All right. that, that's our mission to find out what that means. Or we'll just make our own meaning for it. That, that had to be a British person that, that, <laughs> that made that up. That's just Omni Shambles. Omni Shambles. One of my great and dear friends was Anne McCaffrey, the great science fiction writer. And Annie would always include the word contrapped in her books, which doesn't actually exist. You, you, you contrapped a contraption. And it was an mission to get the word contrapped into the English dictionary. Uh-huh. I think we should do the same. I think we should get a word in. Absolutely. <laughs> contrapped. Huh. Interesting. So we've, uh, we've, we've got some questions for you that uh, I'm sure is on all of our listeners' lists of, of things to ask you if they ever get a chance. <laughs> um, which I wish we could have uh, – I wish we could have got – actual listener questions but um with uh with throwing this together like we did uh we you, the, the, you guys are just going to, have to settle for what we came up with <laughs> you didn't tell me it had to be questions i wasn't told i was told it was pizza i wasn't told it was questions. pizza oh oh um Jamie. yeah before the pizza will be questions <laughs> as, as an appetizer and if you answer them well then you can have a slice <laughs> it's a treat <laughs> It's a tasty, delicious treat for getting the right answers because you actually right, just the Elio's right pizza. and wrong answers to the questions. So. <laughs> Take note, <laughs> listeners. This is how you trap an author. <laughs> I think it's yes. With well, food works every time, <laughs> especially chocolate. Especially chocolate. I have written for chocolate, yes. <laughs> and the bookshops. The bookshops. I remember. I mean, I I tour for all the books, and I, I know I've met you all on the various on the various roads. The bookshops I remember are the ones which give you sweeties and chocolate. Uh, which tend to be we'll the independent stores. Yes, we'll write for chocolate. <laughs> I think we just got the title for this episode. Oh, that is perfect. <laughs> what? That is perfect. The title will we'll write, write for chocolate. chocolate. That's awesome. I, I was once writing a short story for an Australian, I think it was an Australian publisher, and I've told this story before, and by the time we'd worked out, and it was really for not a lot of money, and by the time we'd worked out the currency differential and all that stuff, it just wasn't worth doing. And I said, guys, I want to do the story, so send me chocolate. Uh, and they sent me 20 pounds of Australian chocolate. So I have actually written for chocolate. <laughs> wow, that is awesome. <laughs> that is 20 pounds of chocolate. How yeah. long did that last you? A lot of you? chocolate. About two days. Yeah. I was going to say, did you actually eat all of that chocolate? <laughs> of course I did. What do you think I was going to do, give it to somebody else? <laughs> I think I'd be that's, uh, that's writing food, right? That's, that's yes, that's writing food, yeah. yeah. <laughs> chocolate writing food. It keeps the dementors away, too. Ah, it does, yes. yes. I'm sitting here, actually, I'm right on my desk in front of me is some uh, Le Noir Extra American, 85%. Um, it's only 85%. Mm, extra American? Extra American. <laughs> what does that even mean? It means it's very dark and very bitter. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a slam? <laughs> No, it's the type of chocolate. Extra dark chocolate, very bitter. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> we can cut that part out if you want us to. Right. <laughs> like, not chocolate connoisseurs, that's for sure. I'm going to have another piece as I'm talking to you now. 
Have you ever had chocolate with um, peanut butter, uh, uh, chili peppers in it, like oh, mixed into one the of my all-time favorites? There is this is a big name name drop, but there's there's chocolate here just off the Champs Elysees in Paris, literally five minutes from Flamel's house, who sells chocolate covered chilies. So it is oh. a sliver of habanero pit chili oh, wow. covered in dark 85 90% chocolate it is so you get the sweetness of the chocolate right. and then the bang of the chili oh it's wow that's awesome. amazing absolutely amazing i can already feel the steam coming out of the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah yeah now i've had uh, i've had the chocolate with it's like it's a chocolate bar and it's made with chilies but never like an actual dipped chili it's a this is a dipped chili wow. you got to try it try it once yeah Next time I'm in Paris, I'll do that. <laughs> Get right on. <laughs> I'll send you the address. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll tell them you sent me. Yes. <laughs> you told us you were coming. No chili for you. Then they'll say, no chili for you. No chili for you, yes, sir. <laughs> oh, uh, well, uh, I guess we can get right into our questions. First, we want to talk to you a little bit about the Flamel series. Obviously, sure. this is the first time we've we've had you on the show since the end. You know, the mm. you know, six book run, and 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 then it ends. You know, it, it. I can't imagine the the weight. I don't know if it was a weight lifted from you, or maybe even added on you because it's over. You know, so what what was your feelings when you when you when you finally finished and it was done, and uh, you know, you, you sent the print off. It was a really interesting experience. I'd been, when I created a series, I created it as one huge, big, fat, enormous book. And then the first thing I did was I wrote the ending. So I was always writing towards that particular ending. As I wrote the books, I began to steal bits from book three for book two and for book four for book three. So when I came to book six, I'd used bits and pieces of it in book five. But the ending, the ultimate ending where everybody has their moment in the sunshine, that, that never changed at all. And it was a very odd experience finishing it. And it was a, a, a long period of, of what I suppose you'd call it grieving because these people who'd been an incredibly important part of my life for a decade, not just the six years of writing it, but for the decade beyond that, were suddenly gone. Or those particular characters were gone. And so that's where, and it took a while just to get over that or get around that. And... I delivered it late because I was, I, I, you know, I always deliver late and I was quite ill writing it. <laughs> and, um, oh, you, you so-and-so, you laughed when I said I was quite ill writing it. You <laughs> no, heartless. no, no. I heartless. Always, always deliver it late was the laugh. I was delivered. <laughs> and, um, backpedal, you don't care backpedal. You are Ill. Yes, backpedal. You don't care you were ill, you know. <laughs> so, um, but it was, and then I delivered, and then I saw it in print relatively quickly because there wasn't the usual long lag between delivery and publication. However, I'm not quite finished with Flamel, and I'm not sure I'll ever be quite finished with the Flamel world. That sequence, the sequence, that two-week sequence, the Sophie and Josh two weeks in San Francisco, that sequence is finished. But because the, the Flamel world is so big and so huge, there are other stories that I can tell, and I've spoken before that I will do a Scathox series, and I will do some short stories to fill in the blanks and the holes. So I'm not quite done. And that actually, in a funny way, helped me deal with its passing. Right, I can see that. Cause it just knowing there's just still a future with it, it's not mm. totally done. Like, there's not just that, that cut-off void. Sure. Yeah, yeah. 
you, like you said just now, you said you had the ending planned out and and already written basically before you you, you fleshed out a lot of it. Did did it change any way from from when you wrote it, like say ten years ago, when you actually wrote that the ending? Um, did it, did it change any, or how did it change, if at all, along the way to what we finally got in the in, at the end of the Enchantress? The the major change, the scene on the. I want to be careful because I know some people haven't read it yet, and the paperback hasn't appeared. And spoiler some, alert! Spoiler alert! So some of the foreign <laughs> editions haven't come out yet. <laughs> so. The ultimate, the ending on the pyramid with the twins was written. That didn't change at all. And if you want me to do a big spoiler alert, okay, so I'm going to do a big spoiler alert. If you don't want (laughs) to hear, you need to go blank for the next 60 seconds or so. (laughs) There was a slightly extended scene where the children, where Sophie and Josh do fight the Earth Lords in a much bigger way. They have a much more protracted battle. And I threw away that battle at the end of the day when I came to it because that wasn't what the story was about. The story wasn't about fighting the Earth Lords. The story was about the transformation of the twins. And I felt that to do that scene, have them fight up the pyramid, stand on the top of the pyramid, appearance of the Earth Lords. And if they then went to a battle, it went into a battle with the Earth Lords. It changed the energy of that scene. It took the focus off the twins. So I threw Hmm. a big chunk of the battle scene away Hmm. and focused more focused more solidly on the twins themselves. So that was a big change. The ending with the flamels on Alcatraz, that was written, that was unchanged. However, the epilogue, the the final, final page, mm-hmm. which I won't go into, that was brand new. I wrote that at the very, very end. I'd never planned to do that. Hmm. And that was slotted in new. Oh, very cool. Interesting. So will we ever get to see that epic battle? You know, it's the answer is probably... Um, there is some talk that I would go back in and, and do like a director's cut of Flamel and that, that is beginning to happen now. I'm beginning to see books where authors have gone in and added, added in scenes. However, to put the scene in, I do think dilutes the emotional impact of the ending because the ending is Sophie and Josh. The ending is not their fight with the Earth Lords because they've been sort of fighting with them throughout the book. If I do, there is a plan I know that I will do a guide to the world and certainly I might put in a lot of the cut scenes as standalone bits into the cut scenes. So I think we will see it in print in some way. Cool. Very cool. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah some, you know, cause, cause along the way, you know, we've, we've, we've heard the process prophecy and everything. And, you know, we early on, we kind of mistook the prophecy as when it says, you know, the twins fighting on top of the pyramid that they were fighting each other. Hmm. And I, I think a long, a long way through the way we, we, we still kind of assume that. And I don't think it was until very later on we kind of started to understand that, that they really probably weren't going to end up fighting each other. On, on the end, and that's how, that's how it ended up. But, uh, yeah, very cool. Very cool. Because I was able to plan it all in one big go, I was able to, to you know, tease you and do all of that good stuff. Um, I get emails every day now from people who are reading the books back to back from start to finish which is sort of how you have to read them because it is one story. It's mm-hmm. just one story. Right. Yeah, we kind of where we all had followed all along and you know there was the year lag in between sure. and and uh but you know with the anticipation though too. I mean it it it, it made for great conversation, especially on you know <laughs> great topic matter for a podcast, you know trying to predict what was going to happen for our and two things. Listeners. Our two listeners. <laughs> Which we were epically horrible at. <laughs> 
I'm not sure that I would ever do the enormous. Um, I mean, I love the, the 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 cliffhangers. I really do. I thought they were fun to do. And and it's very old fashioned. It's very traditional form of writing that you would do cliffhangers. But that you know, this uh, this audience, this present day audience, people either love them or loathe them. I'm not sure I would do them in quite such a dramatic fashion again. I think I would give each book a little bit of a conclusion. The new series that I'm working on now, each book will end properly. So there's not there's there's not like a real connection between them or. Oh, there is a definite connection. I mean, the new series, the Art Lord series, is a proper trilogy, but it, each book will end cold. So I won't get, you know, 57,000 emails saying, how could you, and tell me what happens next. <laughs> You'll still get it. <laughs> they will still find things to ask you about. They will still, yes, they will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so now that the, the series is done, and, you know, there was, there was an awful lot of, of death scenes in the, in the final book. That's an understatement. Pretty much right on top of each other. (laughs) Were any of them harder to write than others? My rule of thumb with each of them was that everyone had to die appropriately. They had to... These were big characters, and because they were big characters, and because they had been heroes throughout the novel, they all had to have their appropriate ending. Even D. D had to have an appropriate ending. He had to redeem himself in some way. None of them were harder than the others. Some people keep asking me, was um, Blackhawk, did Blackhawk die? And I can reveal exclusively to you that no, Blackhawk didn't die. Because if you read the text, he's picked up and he's thrown over the wall into the sea. But of course, previously I had written that the Nereids had actually gone home. So he's, so Blackhawk is safe. And there was a temptation, I think, to kill Billy and, you know, maybe to kill Machiavelli. But, you know, no. I resist, I resist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is that temptation. The best deaths are probably, you know, um, who has the best death? They all have really good deaths. You know, the scene on the bridge with with two characters whose names I've forgotten. That's terrible because so remember. Nitin and Prometheus? It's Nitin and Prometheus. That's a great scene to do, you know, and um, that was a great scene. Um, and I hadn't quite planned it that, that way. I always knew that Nitin would survive in some format, but the the last conversation they have together, and certainly Prometheus's last words to uh, Nitin is a great that that's that was an unexpected surprise, you know. Hmm. So uh, did did anybody get a reprieve that you were originally planning to kill off? I did think long and hard about Virginia Dare. I had a wonderful, huge, dramatic ending for her, and I thought, no, no, I can't. She's too good. I can't do that. I'm so glad you didn't. <laughs> Jamie would have cried for a month. I was already yelling at the scene on the bridge. Like, I was literally yelling at the book. <laughs> I was like, no, you picked the wrong one. <laughs> you picked the wrong one. So I did actually have a, and because I thought that would be wonderful, you know, that's, that's, but anyway, but I saved her in the end and, um, and I'm glad I saved her. I think But you. no, everyone, everyone else got that comeuppance, that appropriate comeuppance. <laughs> All right, so now that the six books are complete, what will you miss most about the Flamel series? One of the things I loved about the Flamel series and still love about it is that it's a very complete world. And as I began to to write it, that world began to grow. And I've said before, my notes for the series are actually bigger than the series itself. As I moved towards the latter books, certainly books five and six, I was incredibly conscious of the weight of the other stories on my shoulders. And I knew... But if I messed up, you guys would find me and tell me. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> so I had to be ultra careful 
And that's, I won't miss that, but I quite enjoy that. You, know, that you guys kept me on my game and stuff like that, you know? Hmm. Happy to oblige. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a, a writing process question. Hmm. The series kind of follows, starts together and then kind of merges off. And you've got, you've got several different storylines flowing through. Like one chapter will be with one group and the very next chapter will be off to another area with another group. Did you... In in writing and and kind of plotting that did did you have the story uh, say following Flamel like write it as as a, like linear like you wrote it all and then split it up and, and intermingled it with the other ones that you written in the in, in the same way or did you kind of jump back and forth between the the storylines up until book six I actually wrote it in a linear fashion because that's how I plotted it in a linear fashion so I would actually jump from. Danutalis back to San Francisco, back to Danutalis. So I would do that jumps because it helped me to maintain the energy of the chapters. Mm. The last book was different because the last book had a very different energy to it. And each thread, the, the Danutalis thread and the uh, um, Alcatraz thread had to be cohesive. So what I actually did was I wrote the opening up to about chapter six or seven where I'm bouncing back and forth. And then what I did was I wrote the entirety of the Danutalis thread first and then the entirety of the San Francisco thread. And then I sliced and diced them together to give them the proper energy. Gotcha. And then I come back to the end. But that, that, I, I had to break the rule for the last one because <laughs> yeah. they are essentially two full stories. There's two, you know, there's, each of those threads could have been a story unto itself. Right, right. Now that kind of, how, how hard is it to maintain that pace when jumping back and forth? Because like there were times where it seemed like it took, um, Sagaga la 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 a long time to get to the bridge, for example. Well, it may it takes her about 20 minutes in running time because she's running down down the, the street. Um, if you were to read just her sections, you'll see that she's running. The problem is that there's so much stuff happening at the same time. And I'm conscious that the readers read it very, very quickly. And readers are actually reading almost in real time now. And certainly the last book was written almost as a real time book. So that it, you know, a minute of, it, it takes a, a person roughly one minute or 90 seconds to read a page. And some people can read faster and some are a little bit slower. And that's the sort of time frame for that last book that you're reading in real time. I've always thought Sean was a little bit slower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it shouldn't take her two weeks to, to get to the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've, I think I would have been the first one done with Enchantress of our little group, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a slow reader. <laughs> But so was it, like, how many times did you reshuffle just to try to get that feel? Oh, it's oh, several times to get the deck of cards just, just right. There were chapters moving in and out all the time. And I use a program, as you know, called The Brain. And I'm using Mind, Mind Manager as well. But The Brain, certainly for this process, actually, more, no, more Mind Manager for this process, because that's much more visual, um, much more lin linearly visual helped me to establish the movement of the chapters and where each chapter is going. But I do have minute-by-minute minute notes on each chapter, so I can tell you precisely at what minute each chapter uh, takes place. You know, I mean, it's, oh. and that, um, it had to be that precise. Yeah. The whole, meanwhile, in Detroit. <laughs> yeah, meanwhile, in Detroit, at 7.20 p.m., <laughs> 7.25, 36 yeah. seconds. Yeah. 
we've but, we've uh, we've joked several times on the show that because uh, it, it, it kind of feels like Sagagalaw took forever to get to get to the bridge, so we kind of joked that you know she she stopped at Starbucks and, and had a cup had of coffee. coffee. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. yeah. <laughs> she went <laughs> to the bridge and, via Seattle, or, or even stopped and opened a Starbucks and then went on to the bridge. <laughs> she used IMAPs, got lost on the way. Got lost. On the way. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm actually looking for, I'm not sure if I have it on this machine. If I have it on this machine, I'll be able to give it to you. Talk amongst yourselves or ask me another question as I see, can I find the... I think Jamie's got a question that she has been just dying to know the answer to for a <laughs> I very am. long, I think we long know time. Very long time. And, and the, the sad thing is, is that I hope you don't give it to her. <laughs> oh. I don't think he's going to, but I have to ask. God, I hope so, I know the answer. <laughs> I think you know the answer. But in this last book, I was expecting to see some information or some clues, and unless I missed them, which is entirely possible, I did not see any additional clues on who Dare's Elder was. No, you didn't. So they're <laughs> not good. Well, here's what. I do have, I, I am about to do a series, I am in the process of doing a series of short stories, and we, we one of those short stories is about Dare's Elder. <sighs> so no, it's not mentioned. Not no, mentioned you can't tell book. her. <laughs> And it will not be mentioned in the short story. <laughs> Sean, I hate fun. you. It'll just be constantly referred to as Elder. <laughs> I was uh, so expecting to find out in this last book, and then I was like, no, it's not here. <laughs> but the last book, you know, stuff like that would have been everything in the last book is really geared towards this huge conclusion. Anything else would have been a distraction. And I'd already introduced 27 million characters. I couldn't introduce yes. anyone else. You know? <laughs> no, I understand. <laughs> but at least I get to find out eventually. You do, yes. No, no, I, I promise you, you will have that answer. Okay. Um, speaking of, of, of Dare, based on, you know, the whole context clues game, mm. was she like Nefertiti? Yes. Uh. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Easy answers. If you didn't get a guess that, that's the, you know one of us is doing something really wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. Seeing as she was hanging out with Aten for a while. <laughs> for, 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 it sounds like for quite a while. <laughs> All right. So yeah, you mentioned the uh, the short stories. Can you give us any kind of uh, of an idea of like how many you're talking and and when we'll 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 uh, start seeing those and uh, if they'll be strictly ebook or the formatting and, and things of them? The plan is that they will be in the same format and style as the two existing Lost Tales, the Billy the Kid and the Joan of Arc. There will be either eleven or thirteen. The plan is that they will appear one a month digitally, and then there will be maybe a book at the end of it. And some of these stories, I'm looking at them, actually looking at the list right now, and I'm starting in 10,000 BC, then we go to 470 BC or 47 BC, then 600 AD, so you know that's a Gilgamesh story. <laughs> then we're doing 1355, which is, you know, it's no secret, but it's Flamel buying the codex from Marethu. Mm. Um, Joan of Arc you have in there, that's 1431. 1500, we've got a Virginia Dare story. 1600, we've got a William Shakespeare story. I will tell the sorceress of Mount Etna, which is um, a par Paranel and, and Machiavelli, which you've always wanted. Awesome. Um, I'm dancing now. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what the 1793 story is, but you can guess, maybe. 1800s is a great story. It's called The Island of the Something Something. Eight <laughs> <laughs> 1800s is Black Hawk and Billy the Kid, and... 
Then there's one, two, there's three final stories, which I'm not going to tell you about, but certainly the last one is the, is the big one. And the last one that links us directly into the series because, you know, the, and you should be able to guess what the last story is, you know. So are you kind of planning these in that chronological order to kind of bring us yes. up from Daniel Talos's fall to yes. where the original Full Mail started at? Absolutely, yeah. So it's 10,000 BC, 47 BC. Yes, cool. I will bring them out in chronological order. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Very yeah. cool. That's the plan. And the character who links this series in the way that Flamel tentatively or, or, or vaguely linked the last series, it'll be Morethu linking this series. Ah, very cool. So it'll almost kind of be like following him jumping through those? Yeah. Yeah, he will, he's, our, he is our, um, he's our lead in cool. this. Very cool. And I, I hope, you know, I'm not sure when they're going to appear. That's way out of my control. As you know, that's publishers. It, certainly next year, I would imagine. But I've, again, I have no control over that. So. Right, right, right. Well, I guess the, the question then is, ha- have you written them yet? <laughs> um, six, six are written, yes. Oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Very good. Yeah, I, I, I do work occasionally. You know? Occasionally? <laughs> <laughs> work? Who does that? I mean, you know, you've got a whole lot on your plate going on now, you know, with the, uh, the, the movie and, and, and everything in the Earthlord series and all that. So, you know, I, I can't even... Great I can't segue. even imagine. Yeah, <laughs> I can't even imagine. Um, you know, your your time management must be ridiculous to 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 try to juggle all that at the same time. But I was going to say it is a way of keeping yourself fresh on a project. I mean, you know, Flamel took was a decade of research and six years of writing, and in the middle of all that, I was writing other stuff. I think if you're working on the one project for that length of time, you will bash your head off the keyboard and and you know. So you do need other projects to keep yourself fresh. And I think it helps because the various projects I'm working on now are so different to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not getting bored or you're not running into the, the dreaded writer's block. So you work on Flamel for an allocated period of time. Then you go on and you work on Art Lords or you work on the short stories or you work on whatever mm-hmm. the movie script for, you know, an allocated period of time. And you move through that. Hmm. Do you sleep? Yeah. No, not a lot. <laughs> are you? Yeah, a are you a vampire? <laughs> well, do you sparkle? Most writers work vampire hours, you know. Sparky vampires. What an abomination of God is that? Yes. <laughs> Let's take the darkest mythology. Here's a mythology universal to just about every race of man, right? Every race, every mythology, every time zone has vampire or vampire type stories. Mm-hmm. And they're all bloody. They're all dark. The whole vampirism, blood-sucking, flesh-eating. It's a very dark mythology. They don't sparkle. That's what they don't do. I'm going to go write a book about werewolves with glitter in their hair. Yes, but that's what comes down. You know, you, so glittery werewolves are, are, you know, what is it? Disco werewolves on roller skates. You know. <laughs> That's it. Yes. The next bestseller. Saturday Night Fever. You know. <laughs> that's a good. Uh, that's a good episode Saturday title too. Uh, Spark <laughs> disco werewolves on roller skates. <laughs> <laughs> they won't know what hit them. But just I'm, you know, and it's you know, look, anything that gets people reading is okay in my book. But when you take such a wonderful dark mythology and then you make it cute, you know, you know. 
sparkly werewolves it's like my little pony with fangs i'm sorry you know <laughs> yeah take something that. cute and make it make it hor- you know horrendous yeah you do it the other way around yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> you know speaking of things that uh distort uh, <laughs> their original form <laughs> let's move on to the movie <laughs> mm. sometimes they can, oh, wait, they can they can be a bane um but you know what is there anything you can share with us about uh, about the movie that uh, uh, hasn't really kind of came out yet or anything? Do you got any, any news for us on that front? There's a, there's a couple of interesting things. Um, the, movie has, the movie has had an interesting genesis, as you know. It was with New Line uh, for a while, and then it was with Lorenzo de Bonaventura for a while. And I, I saw scripts which I wasn't entirely happy with, and they had different visions for it. Interestingly, we've seen the, the movie business change, and I was approached to a series of sort of very serendipitous connections. The rights reverted, and when the rights reverted to me, we didn't actually go out and sell them again. We held on to the rights because we were waiting until book six appeared. And then through a series of very odd connections, because that's how this business runs, I was approached by an Australian company called Amco. And, and Australia is a really interesting movie-making country, Australia New Zealand now. They've benefited hugely from the whole Lord of the Rings, Matrix, The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. They, some of the tech guys out there are astonishing. The work that they can do is astonishing. And I had a meeting, first of all, the, uh, the, they flew into, I flew to LA, they flew to LA. We met in the middle and we had a chat about it. I was, you know, really excited by their enthusiasm for the project. They then introduced me to the guys they wanted to do the special effects astonishing work. The work that they they don't was remarkable. And suddenly I began to see that, yes, it was possible. And then, but part of the deal was that I would write the first pass on the script, Mm. which meant that at least we're keeping the, the bones of the Flamel series. And that was all agreeable. I've delivered a very, very detailed treatment. Now there are changes, but these are changes I'm happy with because these are changes I have made. And really it's, all, all of your favorite characters are there. All of the main scenes are there. Some of the scenes I've had to shorten because just for timing and stuff like that, because we don't want a four hour movie. And um, I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, it's, I don't know. I just I saw Skyfall at the weekend. You know, Skyfall is a Skyfall is a 90 minute movie stretched to two hours, you know, two and a half, uh, two and a half. Yeah, <laughs> I saw it. Yeah. yeah, I saw it too. I saw it on the weekend. And you go, it's a great movie. It's just a little bit long, you know. Uh, right. Maybe I'm just, get, maybe I'm just getting old. But yeah. anyway, it's going to be a 90-minute, 120-minute um, movie. Everyone loves the treatment, so I'm now writing the script. I've, even as we speak, uh, first act is done, halfway through the second act at the moment. And it's zooming along, and I think it's going to be great fun because it is quite close. And the book is very visual, so it's sticking very closely to the book. Why reinvent the wheel? And the team that's beginning to build around it is... It's really great. I'm really pleased with it. Very good. It goes into pre-production. I delivered the script at the end of this year, and it should go into pre-production early next year. I know nothing about casting yet. I have heard talk that they will <laughs> cast Sophie and Josh as new actors. So wow. that's the great. And the way that the Harry Potter children were new actors. Right. So that's the great opportunity for somebody, yeah. you know, or for a couple, for twins. Yeah, I mean, well, really I, twins. I, I, Sean, too old. <laughs> you can't be we got so- a lot of um, Sean. You can't be Sophie. No, but we got a lot of uh, characters in suits. You know, we got a lot of. Um, actually, it won't be characters in suits. It'll be more. I'll be all C- CGI probably. 
we got a couple of zombies you can fit in there. You know? <laughs> awesome. I don't even need a costume. <laughs> you don't even need, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, okay, I just have to ask, do you have our, uh, our, our formatting questions here? Because I think you answered like seven of them right there with your response. <laughs> <laughs> I got a question on the, 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 the mostly CGI. Are they doing sure. full CGI or is it going to be more like person in a body suit and then mapping no. it over them? It will it will be person in a bodysuit, I would imagine, with all the little blue dots. Mm-hmm. That that gives you a full range of movement. And certainly for some of the characters, like the Bastet character has to be a woman with a cat head. The Morrigan has to be obviously a woman. The big the, the really expensive there are a couple of very, very, very expensive scenes in the movie. The the big the battle in around the Yggdrasil in the Shadow Realm where you've got cat creatures, bird creatures, and boar creatures. That's a big, expensive scene. There's a big chunk of your budget. The ending in Ojai is, again, a huge, big chunk of the budget. Interestingly, some of the smaller scenes, like the chase across the Golden Gate Bridge, less expensive because it's all C- CGI crows. Mm. The bookshop is interesting. I've seen, I've seen some artwork on the, the bookshop scene, how they would shoot it, and it, I think it's going to be fabulous. It looks amazing. Very cool. Very cool. I'm very excited for the bookshop. It's, it's, but you know, what I always say is, look, don't hold your breath. We're we're talking, you know, we're talking a release 2014, and but as I've been going through this book, or you know, because remember, Flamel One was bought before the first book was out, so that's six years ago. Hmm. And people were saying, oh, it's going to appear in 29, 10, 11, 12, whatever. I'll only believe it when I see when I'm sitting in the front row with a big box of popcorn, you know, right. the, the goes up. That's when I'll believe it. Because I mean movies are still shot and in post production and get yanked, so anything can happen. But we no, hope not, obviously. Why would you have, say that, Jeff? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're a horrible person. What we do have is, is is that young adult material is still selling very, very well. Hunger Games was inordinately successful. And so that market still exists. And, and if they don't mess it up with too many bad movies, because if you get too many bad movies, people won't go. People just get bored. We'll see. You know, I, I do believe, I think at this stage, I do believe it'll happen. You know that? Mm, good. Yay. Yeah. That's what I want to <laughs> yeah. hear. So since you're writing the script, what are some of the similarities and differences between writing a book versus writing the script? You know, it's an interesting one because I've written both over my long writing career. And sometimes they are very, very different beasts. Flamel is interesting because the original book was written very, very visually. And therefore, it's a matter of just extracting the appropriate visual scenes. And, and there are certain scenes you know you have to have in there. You have to have the bookshop. You've got to have Scathox Dojo. You've got to have the birds. You've got to have the Yggdrasil. You've got to have Ohai. But within that, you then have the character development. And certainly, the script allows me to develop the characters of Sophie and Josh in ways that probably weren't developed properly on the books because it was such a, a big race. Then it's down to the actors. I've seen some great names mentioned, which unfortunately I can't tell you. But if they get the cast that they're looking for, it will be amazing. Awesome. I will hold my squeeze. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Squeal. <laughs> yeah. Be nice to know a name or two. <laughs> It would be nice, and then I would be shot. <laughs> we don't want that. Just, you got more books I'm to write. Do, I'm gonna do a. Um, I'm gonna do a back. I've actually pulled up my notes as we were speaking of my time frame for the last book, which is um, it's so precise that I can say to you, 
4.30. This is in Paranel, Nicholas and Paranel's thread, for, which I think is chapter three, although it may have shifted. 4.30 at Pier 39. 4.40, plans for Alcatraz. Five o'clock, the parrot scene. <laughs> That's how precise it is. You wow. Know? wow. Six o'clock, Tazagal growing young. 6.30, the fog rolls in. So anyway, that's, that's, it is, the, the, the timing is that precise. I was going to say, there's going to be a little clock running in the bottom corner of the movie. Like <laughs> they did a movie PM. like that, didn't they? With, uh, wasn't uh, Johnny Depp 24. in it? No, 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 but a real-time, a real-time uh, movie. So it's a very, very precise timeline, for, because it has to be. And for this, I have, I'm using a, little, a, a, a wonderful little program called the Writer's Cafe, which is a little English program, uh, writerscafe.co.uk. And they've got sort of some interesting writer's tools. And the one I use out of that is a thing called Storylines, which is one of the elements. And Storylines basically allows you to lay down the timeline. On the left-hand side of the screen, you lay down your characters. And as you go across the screen, you can lay down the timeline of those characters and what they're doing. You can do, by the way, you can use Excel, an Excel spreadsheet, for exactly the same thing. Hmm. Well, but storylines will do it for you. But it's that precise. That's, that's the, it's that silly, almost, level of detail. But I can't have something happening at 5 o'clock and then in the next chapter have, have it happening at 4 o'clock because you're going to say to me, oh, but you've messed that up. Yeah, yeah. Can't have the sun go down and then say the sun Yeah, and then come back up again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was a fast 12 hours. <laughs> I, Funny, let's, we'll, we'll now circle back to the movie. I saw some artwork for the movie recently and they have, um, they've shown me a scene which is the witch's shop. And they showed a scene and it's where, it's where the witch is breaking all the glass in the shop and it's all that great stuff. And it's fairly dramatic and wonderful. And, oh, wow. But what they do have is the image showed Josh in, in, in the mirror and Sophie only stepping through. And I went, that's wrong. Because in the book, Sophie steps through first. Mm-hmm. Now, I know it's complete nothing and no one but us for whatever know about it. <laughs> and our and our and, and our listener. Um listener. Singular. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's that preciseness, it's that precision which you know, the book was written with that precision and I think it, for any type of writing you have to honor that type of precision. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he's gotta have that 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 moment of uh of not knowing which side he wants to, yes. to, you know, to choose. And if he's already gone through the mirror, uh, you, you don't have that choice anymore. You right. Know, so. Absolutely. Now with knowing that the, the movie rights were bought before you were finished writing originally, mm-hmm. did that affect the way you wrote the books at all? Whether it be picturing any specific people in the roles or scenes like the way you wrote the book? No, I, because I, I plotted it first. So I had a whole series plotted and we, have the, we had the book series sold. Random House had bought the book series about a year before the movie rights were optioned. So I had my vision for it. I never wrote it with actors in mind. Occasionally I'd get an email saying, what about so-and-so to play? I go, yeah, that's great. He'd be great. But I never allowed that to influence how I was writing because I didn't want to see that actor in my head. And I know fans often put up ideal casts on YouTube. And it's the one thing I never look at. I never look at the ideal casts because I don't want my idea for Flamel or Machiavelli or Palomides or whatever to be influenced by an image of whoever your actor, your actor choice is. Mm-hmm. Right. 
you know, you talked a little bit about uh, about what scenes, you know, the big scenes, kind of what's uh, you know what what you have to have. Was it hard to like pick what to cut? Um, you know what what essentially is non not needed, you know, in the screen version of this. Well, interesting. I've just had that discussion quite recently. One of the people who I could cut now, I haven't, but I could cut Paranel from the first movie in her entirety. Huh and not impact on the movie at all. Because the first book, the first movie, is not from Paranel's story. Right. Par- Paranel is kidnapped right up, right at the get-go. And then she started, although she pops in and out and she has individual chapters throughout the series, mm-hmm. she, I could extract her from the movie and she wouldn't impact on the story in any dramatic way. So that's, that could be one of the changes, you know. Hmm. Um, but it's such a wonderful role. She's such a great character. That she's and of course she's there. She has to right, be there. Right. But it's that sort of they're the sort of choices you're you are beginning to make. Right. Well, I guess the kind of only thing that we would lose with her is her, you know she kind of tips off Flamel at some point using uh, using uh, ghosts and then she you know she takes over Sophie's body. Sure. At the one point, but you know, like you said, it's not it's not essential. You could certainly lose her possessing Sophie. You could find a better way or a different way or an, an ordinary way of, of informing them that there was trouble coming. Mm-hmm. But, but yes, I mean, I take your point. But I mean, she was one that I looked at and went, gosh, I can cut her out. Mm-hmm. And indeed, if the movie is running long, she's the one who I think might suffer. Hmm. I think what the character that we kind of collectively talked about that, that could be cut without a problem and probably the whole scene of awaking Bastet and her, uh, her servant, Senuet. You could accept, you know, but what makes the Flamel series a little bit different to most is the juxtaposition of the fantasy world with the real world. I mean, I think it's really interesting if Dr. John Dee in his nice suit and his nice car drives up to this nice house in Beverly Hills. The door is opened by a servant. He's brought in. He's brought downstairs. And then we, the reader, we, the viewer, think, oh, it's going to be a woman, whatever. And it's a woman with a cat's head. That's your shock. Now, right. so I agree that we could use, we, and, and indeed we have lost Senuet because he's not important. I mean, Senuet is me having fun in the text, but it's not important for the movie. But I think the introduction of Bastet, the introduction of these huge iconic characters, I think each, they, they deserve their entrances, as Mr. Shakespeare would say. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see that. <laughs> I think that'll be fun for people that haven't read the book. Though I will say that going up to a grand house in LA and finding a woman with a face like a cat in it isn't necessarily extraordinary. Not that unusual in this, in this <laughs> Does Bastet own a lot of cats? Yes, she does. There's there are servants. Are there Who's any rollovers to... from like or is it is it strictly alchemist or is it is there anything pulling in from magician? Um no, it actually actually that's a really interesting question because at one stage there was the suggestion that, um, the, and I think this was Lorenzo di Bonaventura's idea, was that book one and two would make one great movie. And I have to say, I really liked that idea a lot initially because it allowed us to see Sophie and Josh fighting together at the end of the second book, at the end of the movie, together, right. which was interesting. But then as we began to go through it and I realized how much, just in terms of time, how much we would lose I began to go off that idea. And, Mm. you know, I mean, most of us here have read the first book and I vaguely remember it. But at the end of the first book, it is the twins fighting together. It's Sophie with her magic power 
and it's Josh with his mundane power. So it is the mundane and the magical fighting together to win the day. So I think it, book one, movie one, does have that appropriate ending. And, and a big Hummer. And it's got a big Hummer. Yeah, big <laughs> yellow Hummer. <laughs> it has to be yellow. It has to it's got to be yellow. Yes, I actually yeah. found I was I saw one quite recently. Um, and why, if you have a choice of car, you would want to buy that one, that particular. Because <laughs> <laughs> you want to stand out. <laughs> now, six years ago, yeah. everyone won. Everyone had the Hummer. Now, yeah. not so much. <laughs> yeah, but look, you can get a Hummer yeah. in any color. You can get it in green, nice, you know, military color. You get it in black. No, I want it in pink or yellow. You know? <laughs> pink Hummer. You're speaking of, of of scenes to be cut and things like that. What is your like the your the your favorite scene that you were just cannot wait to see come to life on on, uh, oh, on the big screen? Simple. That's well. There are two favorite scenes. One is the attack on the bookshop because it's um, and I've seen some artwork on it and it is amazing because it is a great scene. It's a very ordinary bookshop. It's Josh working away there, and suddenly it's books flying through the air. And and it's it's almost a small scene, but it is a great scene to do. The big spectacular avatar scene, of course, is the attack on the Yggdrasil. Cat, cat, cat creatures, bird creatures, boar creatures, a giant tree. What more do you want? You know, that's the big one. That's the expensive scene to do. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, but our if 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 our um, Oracle Awards are any indication of what uh, you know the fans are even the most excited to see about. I mean, the the battle at the Yggdrasil, or just the Yggdrasil itself, one most vibrant scene s- several years in a row. So it, I mean, even well after the book, had, you know, had had been really, we're talking into like uh, the Necromancer, you know, sure. and and people are still saying the most vibrant scene. Uh, of the series was the was the Yggdrasil. Yggdrasil is fun to do. I mean, I did, funnily enough, I know one of the movie suggestions which someone said to me not so long, not so long ago um, before the Australians came on board someone who was looking at it said you know, we're going to have to lose the tree. What? Said, what? <laughs> said, yeah, we have to lose it. We've seen the tree before. And of course you've seen the tree in Avatar. So therefore, because you've had one big tree in a movie, you can never have another big tree in a movie ever again. Wow. <laughs> so I um I I just left the meeting at that point, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, if someone is gonna make that suggestion to you, which is so outrageously damaging to the project, who with with, with no concern to the story or to the whatever you know that they're going to mess up your movie. So you just don't want to be in business with them. You walk away at that point. And I yeah. so thank you very much. Thou shall not remove the tree. Thou shall not remove the tree. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just bizarre. You know, no, we've seen a tree, therefore we can't have another tree. That means if you've seen any Western, you may not have any other Western because after all, they're just cowboys and horses, you know. Wow. Speaking of Earth Lords, <clears throat> uh, so uh, you know we we've dropped the name Earth Lords several times in in here, sure. and um, so we we know that you're kind of your next uh, your next baby kind of coming up sure. here. What can you tell us about it as far as uh, you know pretense and just things that's going to going to be in in relation to the Flamel series and and, and uh, if at all, it's really tricky. You know, I don't like to um, talk about books before they're done. The Earth Lords is um, there will be no characters from Flamel in the Earth Lords series, so okay. that's it's a completely standalone, completely separate series. 
again, using mythology as its as its basis, fun series to do without the huge weight of the Flamel mythology behind it. It's a much more straightforward story. It's very old fashioned storytelling. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Mm. And that's probably all I can tell you about it. <laughs> Time wise, like when as compared to, uh, you know, Full Mill, I think we've discussed several times on the show. That it takes place in, in 97 is or 2007. Is that that's mm. correct? Yeah. Um, is there a time frame for when uh, Earth Lords takes place? Earth Lords is in the is it's in a no time fantasy landscape. Now okay. it is there, so there are connections to Earth and all that stuff. You might call it a shadow realm, except I won't call it a shadow realm in the story. But it's not set. It's not a contemporary story at all. No. Oh, okay. We well, you said it it involves like the like mythologies and things. Yeah. Is it as widespread as the female series? Yes, it's a much older, much darker mythology. And what I've done is I've gone back to the roots of a lot of mythologies and some of the stuff which I hadn't used in the existing stories. Like I, I, I used a lot of Egyptian and Greek and Roman and stuff and, and Norse, which people are sort of vaguely familiar with. Now I'm working with mythology, which should be completely unknown to most people, oh. which, is why, which is why we're talking from Mongolia, which is why I'm in Ulaanbaatar. <laughs> <at the moment. laughs> That's, right, yeah. That's where your research is. Time to get out books. the research books again. Get out the research books. Where there He's is, by the way, the, one of the one of the biggest statues in the world to uh, Genghis Khan. Is it really Ulan, one of the biggest in the world? In, in Ulaanbaatar, yes. Oh wow! Hmm. So, is this mythology is it going to be something that we'll be able to find on the internet, or is it that old that it's like pretty not even so pre-internet? Yes, <laughs> of course, it predates the internet. So you know, it's, not, it's it's like in a, in a language, forgotten language, kind of thing, you know. No, you should be able to research a lot of this online. I'm just loving the idea that if it's if it's if it's not on on the internet, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how we did all those books before there was internet. I, funny enough, I had someone speaking of online. I had somebody online the other day take me to task because of my description of the uh, the Sphinx, <laughs> and um, because apparently I got it wrong. Now you, you got a fictional character wrong. Wow. <laughs> well, what they were doing is they were they were going for a rather modern interpretation of a sphinx, and I was going for a much much older interpretation. But I love, and you know, it's what I say to people all the time: do not be using Wikipedia for your research. You know, do a bit of proper research before we start uh, making pronouncements on characters. Yeah. Right. Uh, but no, this is a much older, darker mythology, and it's a mythology which isn't terribly well known. But yes, you'll find you'll be able to find lots of. Um, online stuff to research. You'll have a lot of fun with it, I think. Mm. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Well, you know, there's different uh, versions of the Sphinx, you know, uh, in, in different mythologies even, you know, it, it's not just it's not just solely in, in Egyptian, so. Yeah, but sometimes people see one version and they assume that's the right, that's the right version, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting, you know, when I started writing many, many years ago, you didn't have an opportunity to communicate like that with an author. Now you can. And now, you know, if you write to me, there's a very good chance I'm going to write back. And in fact, to that gentleman, I did write back and, and set him straight on, on Sphinx. <laughs> Straighten um, that guy right out. <laughs> set the Sphinx to a woman. Set, set the Sphinx. But, it's, you know, and that's one of the great joys. I mean, you know, uh, when I started writing, we could not have done this. We could not have you as readers and fans of the series could not have connected with me and me as a writer could not have connected with the fans in this way, the, this very immediate uh, connection, which I think is really important and is changing the nature of writing without a shadow of a doubt. 
Now, is it? It, it can be a a a blessing and a, a curse at the same time, though. Do you do you kind of cringe when uh, when when you start to to see things that quickly on, and then and maybe it's not a obviously your books don't get bad reviews, but I mean it's not a great. It's not what you want to it, you know, to people to be taking out of it, and I mean, you, you get a lot more of that now probably than you did, you know, fifteen years ago. There are always going to be bad reviews, and it's going to be bad reviews for all sorts of different reasons. And at the end of the day, it's the readers who count. So that's number one. I think what really disappointed me about the Enchantress, for example, which really illustrates what we're talking about, the book, the book snuck out early into the Philippines. And even before it hit, it hit America, there were reviews and there were sp- huge spoilers released online. And that was incredibly disappointing, not mm-hmm. just for me, for a writer, because I'd worked a really long time to insert all of these huge surprises for you guys, but also for the people who had waited very patiently for a year. And then some guy, enthusiastic, not, uh, not malicious, but just enthusiastically went and said, oh, this, 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 and this happens. And that's the danger. And for example... If there's a book that I really want to read, I will deliberately not go online. I will deliberately not looking, look at about it, look at for anything about it at all, because I don't want to accidentally read. Right. Oh, this happens or this happens or this happens. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think there was actually people in fist fights over, uh, when they were in line for the, the deathly hollows and, uh, People there there was people that were just, just being absolutely ridiculous and doing it to spoil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would, would literally yeah. got was early up in line and got the book and 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 thumb thumb through to find you know certain things and then would sh- sh- you know shout it down through the people that are still waiting in line to get their book and that's just that's just absolutely uncalled for. But I don't believe and and I don't believe these people are fans of the books at all. These people are not yeah. fans of the series. You know, fandom is really interesting. Fandom is an opportunity for people who are like minded to get together. And support one another Hmm. and talk about. And I saw a very interesting report which spoke about Twilight Mums recently. And, you know, Twilight Mums have now, because the Twilight series is coming to an end, but the Twilight Mums are moving on and are supporting other books. And many great friendships have come out of that. And indeed, I look at the fan forum where I've made many friends and where all of you guys have come together Hmm. because of the book. They are true fans. You guys are true fans. Someone who pops up on the forum, does a spoiler and goes away is not a fan of the series yeah, at all. I agree. Yeah. I think fandom's really interesting because it kind of feeds off itself. It kind of increases the hype around a series, which is, again makes it more cool for the fans. Sure. Yeah. I liked I mean, it before it was popular. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are, are pluses and minuses. I mean, I've been really lucky because I sort of only got the pluses of you know fans. It's interesting when you find the obsessed fan who knows the book better than the author. I remember being at a book signing when I was a bookseller. I was at a book signing and I watched a fan contradict an author about his own book. Oh, man. Wow. That poor person. And even if the author was wrong, which, by the way, they may very well be, you don't want to embarrass him in front of other fans. But here was a person going, well, I know the book better than you do. And indeed, probably does. You know, when I'm doing a signing or when I'm doing a reading and I'm looking at the audiences, I can usually tell the people in the audience who know the book better than me. So when their hand goes up to ask a question, my heart sinks just in case I get it wrong. <laughs> you don't call on them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or, or Anybody you know, else? No more questions? Good. No more questions. Next, please. 
But there are two types of, I mean, there are the fans who will support you and will ask you questions because they're genuinely interested. And then there are the fans who will try and trip you up and stuff like that, you know, or, or, or become so obsessive. I, again, I was at a science fiction convention many, many years ago, and I watched two fans arguing about the width of the stripe on Captain Kirk's trousers Jeez. in Star Trek first season. <laughs> Does it matter? You know, would but wow. obviously it did to them. It depends you know. on which TV sh- size yeah. you're fan. watching. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know that would be actually a good segue into what we're going to do next, which we're going to do like a play a little lightning round, this or that. You know, a little little selection thing for you. So just uh, uh, we'll kind of spat them out to you, and you just uh, choose uh, one or the other. <laughs> Okay. Good luck. He says. He says carefully. <laughs> All right. So, are are you ready, Michael? Ready. Are you sure? No. No, I didn't think so. <laughs> okay. Here we go for the lightning round. Can Star I phone Wars? a friend? No, 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 no oh. phoning. No, uh, no, no lifelines. Nope. No, uh, <laughs> no removing answer. Um. All right. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars original series, not the prequels. Okay. Werewolves or vampires? Oh, vampires. Cookies or cake? Both. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have your as cake. As long as they're chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> if they have chocolate in them, I can have them. Okay, cookies then. If it's chocolate chip cookie. Or cake if it's chocolate cake. <laughs> He's done. The answer that, chocolate. <laughs> chocolate. Yeah, basically chocolate. Here's a cake, chocolate. <laughs> Okay, uh, aliens or zombies? Aliens are more interesting. Yep. Time travel to the past or future? Oh, past. Much more fun. Space exploration or underwater exploration? Underwater. It's the world we haven't explored yet. Alchemy or sorcery? Alchemy. Driving, left side or right? Excuse me, I'm European. I know the correct side. (laughs) (laughs) So the right, the right side. The The correct side. We drive the correct side. <laughs> All right, uh, laptop or tablet? Oh, interesting question. Um, uh, I am I am slowly discovering the joys of a tablet, but I'm not sure I could write on one, so the answer has to be laptop. Hmm. Apple or Android? Oh, Android. Nice. <laughs> Twitter or Facebook? Twitter. Greek mythology or Egyptian mythology? Well, so much of Greek is borrowed from Egyptian. Egyptian is so much older, so Egyptian. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now part two of this uh, th- this lightning round is going to be more of a direct direct question answer thing. So uh, what's the best superpower? Invisibility. Favorite superhero? Uh, hmm, Doctor Strange. Interesting. What is your dream car? I'm really bad on cars. I have no idea. My wife buys all the cars. I've never bought a car in my life. <laughs> Sorry. You've just... got some fun ones in well, the series. He, he, he did just watch you know, James Bond, so just go with the Aston Martin. Yeah. No, it's too, it's, D- that's D- too D- ostentatious. DB5 or DB7. Too ostentatious, you know. Um, okay. Uh, favorite book? Oh, Huckleberry Finn. Oh, good answer. TV show? TV show, probably Bab 5. Favorite ice cream flavor? Chocolate chip, uh, well, Cherry Garcia or chocolate chip cookie, but Cherry Garcia, Cherry Garcia. Cherry Garcia Cherry. is a pretty good answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <absolutely>. Jeff or Sean? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I love how I didn't enter into that equation at all. <laughs> Neither. Neither. I wanted their chocolate. <laughs> the answer was Jamie. <laughs> the one who does. Yeah, but the one who does the best accent. Oh God. Well, wait, what accent? Neither. <laughs> exactly. Neither. <laughs> Jamie. I don't do accents. <laughs> I butchered them. <laughs> well, Michael, uh, that's pretty much you know all the questions that uh, we'd put together for you, and uh, I hope uh, we answered a lot of the uh, the fans' burning questions with that. And uh, you know, maybe maybe we can get you back on uh, relatively soon. And uh, you know, where to find me? Discuss more of the uh, movie stuff and, and things and all that about Earthlords. Speaking of Earthlords, we didn't get to when is the expected release for that. No idea. Yeah. No idea. It's next probably year, yeah. Oh, definitely next. Definitely next year. Um, I'm not sure if it'll be May or a little bit later. That's again, that's out of my control. But before you guys go, let me ask you questions because you're not you're not going to get away with it. Okay. But strictly Enchantress. Favorite scene. My favorite scene is uh, the uh, the the Josh becoming Matthew. Of course it is. Oh, you've just ruined the ending for everyone, of course. <laughs> We've been ruining that for years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> My favorite scene, Dare with the arrows. Oh, yes. Always oh, good. You know, I, I almost said uh, Marethu busting, you know, dusting the chains off of him, but that wasn't Enchantress, that yeah. was. No. There were, there were yeah. scenes popping into my head, but I'm not sure if they that were. they're Enchantress, yes. <laughs> they were Enchantress or not. <laughs> and then let me ask you all an easier question, which should be, were you all happy with the ending of the Enchantress? Because that was the big risk for me. That Would the fans, would the readers go with this ending, which is not what they expected? It, it was not what I expected. I, I, I will say that, but... I, I will say I I am happy with the uh, with the ending and even more happier that we're getting extended stories here with the with the short stories. I, I liked how it wasn't there were there not that there were questions left at the end, but it wasn't a fully closed ending either. Oh, good. Like how there was kind of like, well, are they or aren't they? Did they or didn't they? The type of types of questions across the board. And that's a really that's really a thin line too because you know you've got people on one side and then people on the other that are saying, no, I've got to have it all wrapped up in a tight, nice little package and, and hand fed to me. And, I'm and then, closer to the I like the neat little book. I like questions, but I like hmm. I like it condensed. But the fact that we're getting more stories, I think that'll help answer some of the questions. Well, that you're, I have. you're an engineer. You're an engineer too, Jamie. So you know we we like answers more than questions. <laughs> But you know, when I'm you come trained. away from a when you come away from a book, you should. I mean, I think the books that I enjoy, when you come away from a book, that you remain thinking about the characters, because it, you don't know the you don't have a definitive ending. And and part of, you know, writers become readers become writers because they ask themselves questions about a book. All of you, you three are all readers. All of you want to be writers, and all of you should be writers, and all of you can be writers. Because what you do is when, when you read, you ask yourself questions about the characters or you say to yourself, all the time, you say to yourself, well, I would have done it differently. And that's how writers begin. Writers begin by saying, I would have, I wouldn't have done it this way. I would have done it another way. And for me to sort of tie it up in a neat, neat bow and, and, you know, put full stops at the end of every character, it doesn't leave any movement for the reader because writing and reading is an exchange 
I always say, I say it all the time, writing is just dead words on a page until the readers bring them alive. Absolutely. It's true. Yeah, absolutely. No, I definitely like the mystery. And I promise I will answer some of your questions in the, in the short stories. Yeah. <laughs> Dare's Elder. That was the big one for me. <laughs> Not going to let it go. <laughs> well, you saw it, but you do know a little bit about Dare's Elder. Yes. You know that it's North American. You know roughly the time period. You know it's got to be, uh, well, all I, the only clue I'll give you before I go away is remember, there is very strong evidence now that not only the Celts, the Irish, but also the Vikings reached North America. Hmm. And now he's got my brain going again. That's <laughs> all I have. To, and you know that I've played with Norse mythology throughout the series. Right. So they were there along with the Native Americans. You know, we've got Celtic runes on the east coast of America, you know, and we've got Viking runes on the east coast of America as well and up into Canada. So, you know, so is her elder a, a Norse, a Celt or a Native American? I know who I'd put my money on. Oh, but I know who it is. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah that's, that's not really fair. No, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> who is that that you'd put your money on? I know. <laughs> I had to try. You had to. But I think, well, you know, the, the clue is I've played a lot with. I've played a lot with Norse mythology, haven't I? Yes, and that that is a clue. And I think we'll uh, we'll let you go with that and uh, say thank you very much for uh, spending this time with us and thank for you. you know these amazing books and and stories. And we're very excited to uh, to see what's to come. Well, guys, thank you so much. The new series, The Earth Lords, I think, or what I'm being told, it's actually better than Flamel. Oh, yeah. So, so no pressure, you know, no pressure. At yeah, all. Nah, sort of war yeah. between the fans, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> no pressure at all, guys. It's been absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much, and and we'll do it again. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Take care. Good night. Good night. Bye. Yeah. So, I know you were all surprised with our uh, our, our special guest, and uh, good get, Jeff. Good get. Good get. Yeah. You know, I try. I try. Um, anyway, but next uh, next time we're going to be discussing the uh, the deaths in the series. Uh, there was quite a few in uh, in the last book, so we have uh, spoiler. We have a lot to. I mean, no, what? Who? Nobody died. What are you talking about? <laughs> so we have a lot. Everyone of, went uh, home and had chocolate. A lot of material. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of material to discuss there. So. Anyway, th- we thank you for your uh, your votes on the uh, the podcast award. Hopefully, third time's a charm. Cross fingers, toes. Please remember to give us uh, reviews or comments on iTunes. Uh, you can email the show at awakenings at fullmels-immortal-portal.com or the individual portalcasters at their first name at fullmels-immortal-portal.com. Please, please, please send in emails. We need many, many of them. You can even ask us crazy questions if you want. Yeah, who cares? Go, go, go for it. As, you know, why, why is the sky purple sometimes? <laughs> That's all for this episode. Until the next leg eight opens, this is Jamie, Jeff, and Sean signing off. And Michael. And Michael signing off.
warning, this podcast may induce uncontrollable laughter, resulting in stares, glares, and strange looks from members of the general public. Please take the appropriate steps to protect yourself from these embarrassing moments. Hi, I'm Jamie. Jeff. Sean. And Sean. And Michael. And Michael. And Michael. It it, it will actually be Michael. I I am doing the entire interview later. Tread. Tread. One tread. To another tread. It was supposed to be surprise. (laughs) No, no, we're obviously, we we need to start over. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Sean needs to say and Sean, though. I did. No, he did. Didn't. Yes, he did. So, first time he just said Sean. He said and. That's why I said and Sean. He said uh, and. Okay. Whatever. So. Hi, I'm Jamie. Q. And Q. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Jamie Q and Q. <laughs> okay. I guess that makes me M. Um. <laughs> So you got you one of those invisibility uh, boxes, did you? Absolutely, yeah. It keeps, <laughs> keeps me safe from mad people. Or people trying to sell me stuff, you know? <laughs> can I have one? What's or, yes, you can have one too. Or politicians <laughs> with their You get telemarketers uh, on Skype? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we don't do boats. We actually fly. We have flushing toilets in Ireland now as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we haven't used boats for ages. <laughs> Go immediately to thewireless.com. They have a Doctor Who TARDIS robe. <laughs> <laughs> they have Doctor they have, Who TARDIS everything. They have a TARDIS towel, which I really want, actually. But, but I do think I want the TARDIS robe. That is hilarious. Yes. The greatest show on TV. <laughs> yes. The if, wireless. If you, want to put, uh, if you want us to put a Christmas wish list for you on the episode, <laughs> we can probably get a lot of stuff sent to you. <laughs> and I want a pony and a bar. Oh, <laughs> oh, a Star Wars dart. Oh, a Star Wars bathrobe. Stormtrooper, Yoda, Jedi, or Galactic Empire. <laughs> the, the, the Jedi one I can see because you know, it's, it's basically yeah. just the regular Jedi robe. <laughs> A mere $79. Chump change. Yeah. So what, what was the last thing I said? Uh, no one was listening to you. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> We're just trying to work out what I was talking about. Uh, I, sn- I, I dozed off. I uh, just, you, just kept, yeah. you just kept rambling. I know, rambling. <laughs> Grand houses and cats. Way to insult the special guest. The yeah. ultimate cat woman. <laughs> the ultimate cat lady. That's what we were talking about. He verbally came out and and uh and bashed them for uh for doing that. He verb- verbally came out as opposed well, to Well, uh, yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> let me let me <laughs> He came out and picked up. Right. Oh, that came you verbally uh, said that wrong, yeah. All right, I, we've had enough from you, Michael. Let's just move on. <laughs> I bet you kicked off the island. <laughs> off the island. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, hey, Blinken. Did you say A, Blinken? No, I said, hey, Blinken. Woot, woot. Please, 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 please.